Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. This podcast is part of the Planet Broadcasting Network. Visit planetbroadcasting.com for more podcasts from our great mates. Hello and welcome to Book Cheat, the book club podcast where I've read the book so you don't have to. My name is Dave Warnicky and on each episode of this show we look at one of the classics. And joining me to look at such a classic this week, it's returning guests, Beck Petratus and Nick Mason. Hello, Hello. Dave. Yeah, we, we haven't it. gone anywhere. We've been on this Zoom call <laughs> with you. Where'd yep. you go? Longest Zoom call of all time. Me and Mesa had a lovely time. Here, I'll make a call back to last week to prove it. Um, something about concrete, I vaguely remember. Yes, that's right. <laughs> Did we? Yep, I love it. I said, yep, good. Yep, great. We did an ad See? for concrete, and now I'm a very wealthy man, so thank you so much for that. Concrete <laughs> got in contact. No worries. Oh, my goodness. Big concrete got in touch with you. Yeah. They've got- that's good. They're scary. They scare me a bit. I don't ever want to get onto the bad side of big concrete. Don't worry, I'm on their good side. It's all good. It's all good. Shoes for you. So, thank you so much for for coming back. I did say we hope to come back in a couple of weeks, but there was no promises just in case something tragic happened. But we're all still here, and why not? Wait, what? Another podcast? Yeah, what? What do you what, what do you, what what do you, you know about our health or or, yeah. or circumstances that we don't know, Dave? What's <laughs> happening there? Sorry, I just re-listened to the episode. At the end of it, I said, oh, no, hopefully uh, we'll be back uh, next time. And you guys are like, hopefully? What's happening? And now it's happening again. I'm just saying we fulfilled it. We lived, okay, we lived it. Right. Good. Okay. I just thought it's, maybe... it's time for celebration. Great. Yeah. You haven't noticed, like, I don't have anything on my face that's like, am I okay? Do I there's look a knife? okay? There's a, there's a knife in your head. <gasps> yeah. Right in your head. Don't pull it. Oh, she pulled it out. Oh, that's, she pulled I it pulled out. That's it. the, oh, that's the, the blood, We oh. should have said that's the worst thing you can do is pull the knife out. Damn. You just have to live with it in there. But I just wanted it. Now I've got a knife. I learned recently that in, you know, in all those movies where, you know, the, the cop gets shot or whatever, and then they have to do like impromptu surgery and they pull the bullet out and they stitch it all up again. Apparently <laughs> most of the time they just leave the bullet in. It's too dangerous to take it out. Real life, they just they just leave it in, and then you get a little card. So when you go through the metal detector at an airport, you just have to be like, "Yeah, there's there's bullets in me now." Wow, does the card just say "badass" on it? Yeah, yeah, I think it does. Yeah. Holy crap! That's awesome. Would you go jingle jangle, do you reckon? Yeah, probably. Like and you bit? also you had to have been shot, so that's not mm. not super positive. I would try and put another bit of metal in, so that I kind of made a tinkly noise. Oh, that's wonderful for Christmas times. Hmm. That's not a Christmas song. That's just that's just me humming and losing it. Great. Continue, Dave. Well, we're here to talk about part two of To Kill a Mockingbird. So it's been 
um, exactly two weeks since we last recorded the first part. Uh, people seem to quite enjoy it, so got great feedback, guys. So I appreciate that. Thank you so much. You're very welcome. We're, 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 we're very listeners. good at sitting here and uh, and listening to someone else explain what a book <laughs> is yeah. and does. And also if crack you, and wise. If you want me to put in minimal effort, I could do it. <laughs> the question is, two weeks on, how much do you remember? Keep in mind, I'm going to give you a brief summary to get us back on the same page. But Okay. So there is a there is a girl called Scout. Oh, yeah. And Tick. there is another child called Jem. Yes. And they're brother and sister. Mm-hmm. And they have a friend called Dill. Oh, Mesa, you're acing only, this exam. I know there's three friends. Oh. And if I remember correctly, um, when we left them last, they'd gotten into the General Lee and they were being pursued by Boss Hog. And they were <laughs> yeah. driving and they were, approaching, they were approaching that rickety old bridge right oh, no. at the edge of Hazard County. But then the, but the bridge was out. And I'm like... How how the, how them good old boys how them good old boys gonna 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 get out of this bucket of syrup you know what I mean? And then it ended in exactly yeah I remember that I remember that I remember Dave doing it I remember the sound in the book I don't know how they wrote that but it's amazing. It's been a horrible mistake though. That was the other podcast that we've been secretly working on when we go through the back catalogue of Dukes of Hazard episodes and I'm sad that we have to announce that now. Yeah. <laughs> we are, we're going to go through every episode Get them all in the can to be safe And That's then right. release them once a week for the rest of our lives Episode 1 right. A bit weird and racist, they jump a canyon <laughs> Episode 2 Much the same <laughs> They've got bow and arrows for some reason You had a lot of that Just then mm. Like mm. I, I remember no one had their actual names Everyone had all nicknames, nickname. yeah Mm, yeah, yeah. And now I've forgotten what all their nicknames are. I don't remember what their real names were either. Was it Atticus Finch? <laughs> Atticus Finch, that's right. That He was the father okay. of the aforementioned Scout and Jem. There was a tree? Yes. And there was Boo Radley, uh, the mysterious Boo Radley, who lived in the house and he was giving some gifts. Mm, there was gum in the tree. It was a gum tree. All right. Yep. All right. Now I'm remembering. <laughs> and here's, here's, a a sound, here's a bit that sounds like it's in a, it's, it was in the Dukes of Hazard, but it wasn't. Uh, there's a, a a mad dog gets loose in the town, and mm. uh, nobody can kill the mad dog. But then it turns out Atticus Finch is a crack shot, and he kills the mad dog with a with yes. a bullet to the brain. Doesn't someone lose their pants? That also happened. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> someone lost their pants, but it wasn't. Was it a child? Oh my god! Yeah, a child oh lost their god. pants. I'm sorry about that. Um, can I just say I'm about to read a a, a recap of it, but. I love how sometimes, this is probably the third or fourth one where I've done a two-parter on these shows. It always makes much more sense if you want to listen to part one. But I almost have more respect for the people that just listen to part two because the show is book cheat, about <laughs> cheating books. And the ultimate yeah. cheat are people that can't be bothered even hearing the first half. They're like, oh, I'll just pick it up. I'll pick it. I'll get the ending. That's enough. So I feel like it's sometimes also in these times that are a bit weird, it is nice to know what the ending of something is. And you look at what the ending is and you go, can I be bothered? engaging with the rest of this because if yep. you get to if you get to the end of something you're like oh that was disappointing that's not that's not a good little journey well my other favorite thing about doing two-part episodes is i get to say previously on to kill Ooh. a mockingbird <laughs> perfect i live for that i live for that <laughs> our our story in part one is told to us by jean louise finch known as scout hmm? and she's looking back on her childhood in maycomb alabama telling us the story of the events that led to her brother Jem breaking his arm. Do you remember that? Ooh, oh, right yeah. at the start. Ouchies. 
Yeah, it was mm. like, oh, let me tell you about how my brother Jam broke his arm and the events leading up to it. So that's what this whole thing is. At the start of the story, Scout was six years old, or almost six years old, I should say, and Jem was almost ten. Oh, that's right. A lot of lot of waffling in this book, if I recall. A lot yeah. of trying to make a word count. Yep, yeah. no, I remember now. Uh, in the first half of the novel, we also met Dill, another kid who spends his summers at Scout and Jem's neighbor's house with his aunt. They all play together and are obsessed with another neighbor known to the street as Boo Radley. <gasps> A recluse that hasn't been seen in decades and whom the kids are desperate to get a look at. And there's all these stories about him being this crazy, scary boogeyman type thing. They play a bunch of games and one night even try looking in the window of his house, but are chased off by Boo's brother Nathan brandishing a shotgun. Got uh, This is when Jem loses his pants running away. Mm. And uh, when he finds them, someone has mysteriously mended them. It's all very strange. Uh, the other run-in with Boo is whilst watching their neighbor's house burn down. Someone puts a blanket over Scout to keep her warm, and they later realise it must have been the recluse himself, Boo Radley. So that's one plot line, basically, of the first half. Mm. The other major plot line running through is Scout and Jem's father, Atticus, is a lawyer who's been asked to defend a black man named Tom Robinson, who's been accused of raping a white girl who was part of the Yule family. Mm. Atticus knows that in the extremely racist town they live in His client has no hope of getting off on the charges But is doing it anyway because Quote Do you think I could face my children otherwise? End quote Atticus and his children cop criticism And a lot of bullying for his choice to defend this black man Against a white family And that is the first half Will those Mm. two plot lines intersect somehow? Do you think? We'll find out On the next (gasps) To Kill a Mockingbird (laughs) That's right well, part two opens with the line, Jem was 12. It was difficult to live with, inconsistent, moody. His appetite was appalling, and he told me so many times to stop pestering him, I consulted Atticus. Reckon he's got tapeworm? Atticus said no. <laughs> Jem was growing. I must be patient with him and disturb him as little as possible. And, and yeah. we're off. <laughs> that's, that's teenage boys for you. That's tw- tween boys. Do you know what? And that's me now. Every second mm, yeah. day, I'm like, do I have yeah. tapeworm? Must be the tapeworm I got from something. <laughs> Sometimes I do worry I have tapeworm. I don't think I do have tapeworm, though. Back earlier, <laughs> earlier, you, you were saying earlier off, off air uh, what, what you'd uh, eaten today. Would you care to share that with the, uh, the podcast listening audience? I feel like last week I also ate something terrible. <laughs> <laughs> Didn't I? Um, oh, just, you know, your general... Uh, lockdown diet of Oreos and Grey Goose. There we go. There it is. <laughs> but only because both of those things were on special. So yep, that's that's smart shopping. Yeah, that's it. You know when you go buy French luxury vodka, that's probably not worth it. But it was on special, and you could buy it contactless, and that's good. Um, the Oreos, however, I did not buy contactless, but I did buy a lot of them. Right. What was the question? Yeah, I pro- yeah, I probably don't have tapeworm. I pro- I just need to work on my diet, don't I? <laughs> unless um, unless you get a tapeworm, in which case you can eat whatever you want, I guess. That's you know that's a good tip. I d- how do you find out if you've got parasites? Has anyone had a parasite? Uh, not yet. No. Okay. okay. No, but you'll we'll we'll reconvene this podcast if yes. one or all of us gets a parasite of some sort. <laughs> or someone tweet in, tweet in. What parasite tweet in if you've had? Have a parasite. Had? Yeah. Is this a call in show, Dave? <laughs> Call uh, in. Yeah, call in if you are a tapeworm. I'd love to hear from you. <laughs> what motivates you? Why do you get up in the morning? Yeah. 
How'd you get in there? How'd you get in there? Get out of there. You're not supposed to be in there. How do you feel about a ringworm? Arch rivals or best of friends? <laughs> uh, so part, uh, part two, some time has passed and Jem is growing into a young man. Mm. He tells Scout mm. to stop pestering him to act, and that she should act more like a girl. She is upset by this but looks forward to their friend Dill's annual summer arrival but is dismayed mm. to hear that this year... He won't be coming. He writes a letter to say he's staying with his mother and his new father and he won't be coming this year. And Scout is gutted. I think we're left to assume that his mother's remarried and now he's left yeah. behind. It's a real real Millhouse's dad situation, I think. That's <laughs> what it is. Uh, hot dogs thawing in the sink. Yes, exactly. Tragic stuff. Tragic stuff. Yeah. <laughs> so Scout spends more time with the family uh, chef and housekeeper, Calpurnia. And when Atticus is called away to the state legislature, uh, which he's a member of, because remember he's a lawyer, he's also a local member type thing, Calpurnia wonders how she's going to take Scout and Jem to the, the church that weekend. She decides to take them with her to her church, which is the First Purchase African ME Church, named that because it was bought with the first earnings of freed slaves. Now, Jem and Scout go along with the only white people in attendance, and whilst one lady is hostile to them and says, you don't belong here, most of the congregation are welcoming and friendly. They're getting world life experience here. That's part of this. And then a collection is passed around for Helen, the wife of the accused Tom Robinson. And Scout learns that it's Bob Yule who has accused Tom of raping his daughter. So that's the second plot line from the first one, that their father Atticus is defending this man. Scout remembers that the Yule family are the ones that only turn up on day one of school and then never come again, basically, to get ticked off. Mm-hmm. Oh, it was yep. them. Her father describes them as trash, which is something she's never heard him say before about anyone, so she's confused as to why anyone would believe this guy in the first place. Hmm. Yeah, they don't seem like the best of... Yeah. Is that how the school system works? You can't do that now, can you? Could I have skipped a lot of school? I don't think so. Maybe That's just not... no one dares to try, you know? <laughs> maybe, maybe we need one brave family to step up. As sovereign citizens and be like, according to Section 48 of the Constitution, I don't, in fact, have to, to, to go to school anymore. You've convinced me, Meso. I'm going mm. back to high school. That's right. But I'm not, though. Yeah, but I am. Yes. Here I go. That's a great... <laughs> or not. The great plot line for a movie is going back to high school for one day, only to never go again. <laughs> to fight the system. Yeah. So they go to this, this church, have a pretty positive experience, and they, they get home, and on their de- doorstep waiting for them is their Aunt Alexandra, who's come to stay with them, quote, for a while. Mm, she, intriguing. Hmm. Do we, is, this a new, is this a new character? Have we heard of her? She in part one. No, we, haven't, we have not met her in part one. Fresh new character. I like it. Do you, just as, as a suggestion for the podcast, Dave, have you ever considered like a, like a bell, like a fresh new character bell? Every I time love you. It. Yeah, and then maybe like a maybe like a gong for a pre-existing character, so we don't forget. <laughs> so you're like, so anyway, Scout goes to the shops, gong, and then we'll we won't have to ask. Do you remember those um, books on tape that were Disney ones that would make a chime every time you had to close, um, yeah. turn the page? I remember those. Yeah. Why don't you do that every time you've turned the page, Dave? <laughs> Which I imagine would be a lot in the summary. Sometimes you'd have to play that chime thing about like ten times, but I think it would. I think it'd be fun. An audio experience. Well, annoyingly, I'm reading this on an iPad and it's got endless scroll, so I'll never chime again. Oh, oh. I'm so sorry. Wow. But, I, but I will be 
dinging for a couple of new characters if you if you're okay, up for okay. it. Ooh. Great. All right, I like it. Is this a fun aunt, by the way? Do you reckon she's a fun aunt? Or is uh, she like? Well, let me read the next quote from her. She tells the kids, Ooh. "We decided it would be best for you to have some feminine influence." Oh, I don't think she's a fun aunt. No, she's not very fun. <laughs> is she? Is she like? We're gonna make you. We're gonna teach you how which fork is which. Yeah, is that what she means by feminine influence? Because that's not. That's like a very. Rules. That's like a male version of being a woman. She ain't a fun aunt. She's not fun. There we go. I'm going on the record. Oh, I was going to in, in uh, get a new like a foghorn sound every time there's a fun aunt introduced. Thank you. Oh, Sadly, yeah, yeah. Fun, the fun aunt foghorn. Absolutely. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I like it. Mm. Sadly, it will not be I... invoked on this episode. I'm afraid. The FAF. Mm-hmm. I used to think I was a fun aunt, so I think I could have used that foghorn. But I since have realised quite recently, I think I'm just an old man because I just like tea and comfortable shirts. So, which I think is very similar to fun aunt, but I think it's just there's a there's a I'm, I'm a bit more tired. <laughs> Whereas I think fun aunt's got more energy. I don't have it. What about on the dance floor? Are you dancing like a fun aunt? Uh no, I think I am dancing also like an old man would dance. Like <laughs> with, just with doing like a grapevine. Grapevine clap, grapevine clap. This bit of jumping maybe? Oh, wow. But okay. nothing more. But anyway, continue. Sorry, this is <laughs> unrelated. Well, so we've got our non-FAF Alexandra mm. on board. Mm, thank you. And uh, she, she asked Atticus, her brother, to talk to the siblings about the facts of life, which he attempts but does so awkwardly. And also tries to impress on the kids that they are the subject of generations of gentle breeding and that they should try and live up to their family name. And this is something that the FAF Alexandra is big on throughout the book. She's um, She sort of ranks people by different classes and often tells the kids mm. not to associate with this person because they're not in your league, all that kind of stuff. So she's definitely not a faff. I wish when, when he said, I want you to live up to your name, it meant like... Finch being a bird. <laughs> I she was like, I want you to be a bird. Every Scout. day we're going to push you off the roof and you are going to flap <laughs> and one day you are going to do it or you are out of this family. You get out. But Scout's already been in the trees. She's been ferreting around in the trees, living up to her name of being a That's Finch. True. So true. I reckon she's getting close. I'm going to keep track on if she becomes if there's more evidence that she's becoming a bird throughout this i'm gonna get a pen all right i'm gonna keep i'm gonna keep a list i don't have any paper continue <laughs> well hopefully there's not much then um, <laughs> yeah i hope not so he's trying to tell them the facts of life it's all super awkward scout cries before atticus tells them forget about it almost taking back what he said so it's very much the aunt oh. has put him up to it and he's like i don't even know what i'm saying don't worry. Children, children, this just says um, you're going to be some lay- laying some eggs out of your cloaca. And, um, <laughs> and I, I, don't, I don't understand it, to be honest. Stuff. Yeah. Mm. Uh, there's more tension in the household when Alexandra, the aunt, is appalled to find that Scout visited the church with Calpurnia and she tries to convince Atticus that they don't need a housekeeper or a chef anymore now that the aunt's around. But Atticus doesn't agree. He's like, no, we'll we're going to keep her on. We're going to keep her on. So basically, Alexandra's turned up. She's trying to meddle in things. She's a meddler. Don't She's like it. Certainly a meddler. No. And she doesn't like the children associating with, with, with uh, the, the African-American population. It's hmm. rude and classist and racist, I think. Mm. She is all those things. Uh, that night, sent to bed early for fighting again. 
Uh, in the <laughs> <laughs> Scout, it's always fighting people. In the darkness, Scout thinks she's found a snake under her bed, but it isn't a snake at all. But their old friend, Dill. Ah, thought it was the tapeworm coming back. <laughs> <laughs> Why is he there? What's happening? Feels like this snake has eaten a large boy. I'd better, I'd better <laughs> put it in a bag quickly and then beat it with a stick. <laughs> boom, 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 boom. Oh, hey, Dill, you're back. <laughs> sorry about the, sorry about the sack and the beating. Oh no, I've killed. Sorry, Dill. it's my fault. I shouldn't have been hissing <laughs> under the bed, just hissing a lot. See well, that you don't. I was trying to say psst, and you thought I was hissing. <laughs> <laughs> oh well, that all makes sense then. Well, he's run away from his family. He's taken a train and then walked 14 miles in the dark to make it to the Finch residence to hang out again for summer. Oh. They contact his family and his mother eventually agrees to allow him to stay. So the trio are back. They're playing. They're having fun. Yeah, that's right. It's fun. Three kings, they're back. Yeah. Meanwhile, the sheriff. Ding. Ah, Enos. (laughs) Yeah. He arrives to tell Atticus that his client, Tom Robinson, the man accused, Mm -hmm. is being moved to the county jail, which he thinks may lead to some trouble. By which I mean he's implying that they're worried that a lynch mob may form and attack the man before he goes to trial. So the next night, Atticus drives into town after his client's moved, and this sets off some alarm bells for the kids because, quote, our father had a few peculiarities. One was... He never ate desserts. Another was that he liked to walk. <laughs> so there oh, you go. okay. <laughs> I mean, those seem fine. And tonight he ate four sticky date puddings <laughs> and then he just jumped into that <laughs> sweet, sweet ride of his. <laughs> He's gone crazy. <laughs> He's lost it. So our trio of kids decide to follow. It's quite late at night. When they get within the view of the jail, all they see is Atticus sitting in front of it reading a newspaper. And they're like, ah, oh, it's nothing. Just wanted to check on him, all good. And they're getting ready to leave. But then a carload of men arrive. The kids secretly move closer to get a better look and to hear what's going on. And that's when they hear the men demand that Atticus move aside and let them in the jail. It's clear that they are there to lynch Robinson, the man inside. And Atticus is like, I'll call the sheriff. He'll sort this out. And they're like, we've already sent the sheriff on a wild goose chase into the forest. He's not going to be coming anywhere. So watching on, Scout runs to her father, only to realise, to her surprise, that the group of men, whose faces she hadn't seen before, uh, weren't the sheriff and the men that had visited the house the night before. These were strangers. She's like, uh-oh, this is weird. Atticus, who now sees Dylan Jem as well as Scout, uh, is like, kids, what are you doing here? He begs them to go home, but they stay steadfast. One man tries to grab Jem, and Scout kicks him in the nuts before Atticus calms her down. So she's always attacking. <laughs> Hell yeah! Him. Is that a direct quote from the book? <laughs> Square in the nuts. <laughs> well, I think the quote is something like, "I tried to kick him in the leg, but I kicked a little too high." <laughs> That's and I great. gave him my patented sack whack, <laughs> <laughs> and I yelled sack whack. <laughs> Scout sack whack. <laughs> Scout sack whack. <laughs> Branded. That's when young Scout notices that one of the men in the crowd is someone she recognises. It's Mr. Cunningham. She tries to have small talk with the man and eventually gets him to speak back when she tells him that she's in the same class as his son, Walter. She starts waffling on about how his son's a nice kid and how one time she beat him up, but then he went round to their house for lunch and they're now all friends, all this sort of stuff. 
And uh, Scout looks around and sees that all the men are listening. Some are even uh, listening with their mouths half agape. Eventually, Mr. Cunningham squats down and says, I'll tell him you said, hey, little lady. And with that, he tells the other men to clear out. So Scout unknowingly humanized the situation and made the men think better of what they were doing. So She, she disarmed stopped. the whole situation. Yeah. Well, good, good for her. Stopped a lynch mob mm. with a bit of small talk. Yeah. Right. Jeepers. Good effort. Yeah. But also... Ah! <laughs> uh, the kids are sent home. The next day, Atticus thanks them for appearing when they did, but asks them not to come to the trial, which starts later that day. But the whole town turns up to watch, and the kids aren't going to miss out now. <laughs> kids, I know I can't control you in any meaningful way. Like, I know I said don't come out to the jail, and you came to the jail, and I know I said don't come to the trial, but I know you're coming to the trial. Just... <laughs> Oh, God. Oh, God. I do wish your mother were here. How do they get? How do they let kids into a trial like this? Do they, well, I mean, we haven't got there yet, but is this like a three kids in a coat situation where they're just like stacked up? Hello. Yes, one ticket to the trial, please. Like, what do they, they do? What are they up to? Well, what they do, they, they hang back and they sneak in without Atticus seeing them. But by the time they get there, the courthouse is almost full so Reverend Sykes invites them to sit with him in the, quote, coloured balcony where black people are allowed to watch from. So he, they reckon, they recognise from the church service that they went to. And he's like, hmm. we've got a couple of seats up here. And they're like, I don't know. I don't know if a priest should have gone, I, I, let's let the kids stay for this very serious trial. Oh, my goodness. Okay. <laughs> but okay. Uh, then proceeding over the case is Judge Taylor and this, Meso, is probably what you were thinking of last week, where it all becomes a bit of a courtroom drama for a few chapters. Exactly. Mm. This is the order part of Law and Order. Yes. Or the law part, mm. whichever one. The, the one with the lawyer bit at the end. <laughs> Two equal, but dis- distinct groups. That thing, that whole thing. Yeah. Donk, donk. That's that's definitely the best bit, isn't it? I love that bit. Actually, yeah, but then yeah. Oh, that is good. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes, that bit. I love that. Uh, this uh, episode is now produced by Dick Wolf. <laughs> so, so it's a it's a courtroom driver for for a bit, and this is um famously in the film. Atticus played by Gregory Peck. Mm. So I'm sure a few people out there are imagining this a little bit. Uh, The first witness called is Sheriff Heck Tate. How good is that name? First name Heck. Surname Tate. 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 (laughs) Heck. Sounds like a a brand of Mexican beer. (laughs) You mispronounce it. I like it. It's good. Hecate. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> so uh, Sheriff, Sheriff Hectate is, He testifies that he was called to the Yule house By Bob who told him that his daughter Mayella had been raped He found Mayella who'd been, Who had bruising on her face And looked like she'd been beaten And then she told him that yes Tom Robinson Was the man who raped her That's the man who was accused Atticus who's the lawyer defending Tom Robinson Questions the sheriff and discovers That a doctor was never called And that the bruising was on the right-hand side of Mayella's face. Right-hand side. Uh, Bob Yule 
who uh, called the sheriff is up next, and he claims to have seen through a, win- in, through a window Tom Robinson attacking his daughter. And when he called out, Tom ran away, and that's when Bob went to get the sheriff. That's the order of events. Atticus gets up, and in a mysterious move, gets Bob to write out his name on a piece of paper. And he's left-handed. He writes it with his left hand, yes. Mm. Yeah. I could be a lawyer. I could be a lawyer. I notice things. <laughs> You're a law-talking guy. I'm, yeah. Mm. yeah, I'm a law-talking guy. That's right. <laughs> Atticus argues that a left-handed man would, would be more likely to bruise the right-hand side of someone's face. Mm. So it's True. easier to punch across. Yep. Uh, the next day, the victim, Mayella, is cross-examined, and Atticus argues that it would have been difficult for Tom Robinson, his client, to cause the bruising to her face as his left hand is permanently disfigured as it was torn apart in farming equipment when he was very young. Atticus implores her to admit the truth that her father is the one who beat her. She breaks down and refuses to answer any more questions. I know, it's really heating up in here. Disturbing stuff, but on the other hand, sounds like Atticus is winning, so that's... Going good. He's got him on the ropes. Mm. He's going well. Got him on the ropes, that's right. Mm. Uh, Atticus, as the defence, only calls one witness and one alone. God. No. The accused man, (laughs) Tom Robinson, who tells his story like this. This is the accused versions of events. He claims that he uh, often did work for Mayella, uh, stopping in at the Yule resident on his way to his other job. And on the night in question, she called him in to fix a door but when he got there, the door was working fine. Mayella then hugged Tom Robinson, kissed him on the side of his face, and asked him to kiss her back. He struggled to leave, but as he did so, her father, Bob, appeared at the window and yelled, You goddamn whore, I'll kill ya. And that's when Tom Robinson ran away. Good move on Tom Robinson's part. I don't think I'd stick around there. That doesn't sound like the best house to stay in. Yes. So the prosecution cross-examines Tom and asks why he would do work basically for free for Mayella, and Tom said it was because he looked like no one else was helping her. Her family made her do all the work. The prosecution keeps pushing and saying, but they've got seven siblings, don't they help out, blah, 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 until Tom finally says, I felt sorry for her. And the prosecution in the courtroom has a strong reaction to this statement. In May, they go, ooh. Yeah, lots of... Hmm. Across the courtroom. In Maycomb, it is unheard of for a black person to feel sorry for a white person. And this is a quote from the book, The Damage Was Done. So there you go. A lot of, uh, yeah, no, not, not coming back from that one. In a town obsessed with class and such. Absolutely. You know uh, in his closing remarks, Atticus appeals directly to the all-male, all-white jury... Oh, cool. Cool move. <laughs> old times. I mean, I joke that it's old times, but, you know, yeah. even now that's still sometimes. Okay, continue. I mean, not in juries, but <sighs> keep going. Uh, so he, he appeals to Ooh. the jury with his kids watching on. They witness him do something that their father never does. He loosened his clothing. Oh. <laughs> he ate. A, a sticky pudding. date pudding. <laughs> yum, yum, yum. Right in the middle of the courtroom. What is he going to uh, do to appeal to all these white guys? Just yeah. Does he go like, hey, guys, do you want to watch the game? Or do you want to, what does he do? 
What's the move? Does he go, do you want to have a uh, Hawaiian shirt party? <laughs> um, I'm trying to think of more weird. <laughs> magic? Weird things. Magic. That's true. They do like magic. Did he make a pudding appear from somewhere? Yeah. And then he kept eating it. But he whipped out a cool. sticky date pudding. He's like, I'm so confident that you're going to quit my client. I'm not even going to say anything. I'm going to what make you watch me eat this pudding. And then I'm going to sit down. Do you know that's confidence. I would mm. be very confident in someone. I just watched eat a whole sticky date pudding, especially because they're very rich. Oh, they're so rich. Very rich. Need to sit down afterwards, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, you do have to have a sit down. So what he does, he loosened his clothing, unbuttoning his vest, his shirt, and he took off his tie. That's right. That's a lot. That's a lot of stuff to loosen in one go. (laughs) And then he took off his shirt, and then he took off his pants, and then he did... Was he? Was this? A, was this him, or was it a stripper grab? Did but he, he can leave his hat on. A stripper grab. <laughs> <laughs> oh my um, god! His closing remarks, which is it's quite a rousing little speech. He argues that there's no medical evidence of the crime, and the whole case relies on two unreliable witnesses. The evidence points to Bob Yule being the one who caused the bruising to his daughter's face, and Atticus argues that what really happened was he saw his daughter making moves on a black man beat her up, and then blamed Tom Robinson for her injuries. He then begs them to go against the evil and incorrect assumption that all black men lie and that all black men are immoral beings that are not to be trusted with white women. He's like, don't go down that path. After his final appeal to the jury, Atticus is alerted that his children and Dill are in the courthouse watching on, and he sends them home. (laughs) Uh, They beg to come back to hear the final verdict, and he tells them they can come back after supper telling them that he expects the jury to have come back with a verdict before they even make it back. To which Jem replies, huh, you think they'll acquit him that fast? Jem really... Oh, bo- Jem. I know. Oh, Jem. He really believes you sweet, in his dad. You sweet, you sweet little idiot. You <laughs> dumb little boy. Oh, oh, so oh, oh, oh Jem. Jem sees the, a better world than, the, than it is, and that's nice. It is nice. Book. Oh. So they go home and have their supper, which uh, they race through and they get back to the courtroom to find the jury is still deliberating, so they haven't missed it. Oh. In fact, they deliberate late into the night. Jem is still confident that Tom Robinson will be acquitted. Good on him. Attica's outfit is looser than ever. <laughs> Just, it's so loose at this point. So is he swimming in it? You know, you know when you're like... You know that look where your pants are sort of hanging down a bit? Yeah, around yeah, yeah, yeah. your butt and you can see your undies. He's like that. Yeah, He's got, yeah, yeah. You can see like the CK under yep. his wearing. Yeah. He looks like a 15 year old boy from 2004. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Hanging out his ankle. Pull up your yep. pants, goddammit. What are you doing? Uh, it's so late that Dylan Scout fall asleep. Or fall sleepy, as I've written here. But um, finally. <laughs> oh, quite nice. That's so it? cute. They fall asleep. sleepy. Somebody sounds like somebody was feeling sleepy, Dave. Did, <laughs> yeah. did someone. I nodded off. <laughs> uh, but finally, the jury returns and Scout remarks that as the daughter of a lawyer, she knew that a jury never looks at a defendant it has convicted. And when this jury came in, not one of them looked at Tom Robinson. <gasps> he was found guilty. Oh. As Atticus left the room, Reverend Sykes and the other uh, black congregation watching on in the courtroom stood for Atticus as he walked past as a sign of respect. Basically... You didn't get him off, but you did a great job. Mm. And they appreciate appreciate what he tried to do. Jem, our sweethearted boy, is especially upset by the verdict. His view of Maycomb is a wonderful place, having been shattered forever. 
Oh. Innocence Lost. Probably a theme, I would imagine. Mm. Oh, this book. Write that down, Beck. Theme. Write it as a theme. Is that, a, is that something about birds? I don't know. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep, okay, yep. all right. I'll write down <laughs> yeah. when you become a bird. Yep, that's right. Innocence is lost. Okay. All right, I've wrote it down. Okay, good. So all we, all we need. So Jem's feeling down. Neighbor, neighboring uh, Miss Morty, who we met in the first half, invites the children over for some cake and explains to the disillusioned Jem that they're still good in the town. They didn't have to appoint Atticus to the trial, but uh, the judge did anyway, believing him to be the best defense that Tom Robinson could have. So he gave him a fighting chance. Hmm. And she says... Well, the, the jury took a long time to come to a verdict, which is quite surprising. She says, we're making a step. It's just a baby step, but it's a step. And just when things are looking slightly brighter, the children are told that Bob Ewell accosted Atticus, spat in his face, and told him he'd get him if it took the rest of his life. So he's sworn revenge against Atticus. Oh, my goodness. But he didn't even win. He no. just defended someone. He did his job. Ugh. Ah! Well, the kid and the kids and Aunt Alexandra are worried by this threat, but Atticus thinks that the Yule was just blowing off steam as Atticus made a bit of a fool of him in the courtroom. He expects no more trouble. What do you think? Do you think there's going to be trouble or no more trouble? Look, in a perfect world, there'd be no more trouble because cooler heads would prevail, but I'm thinking for the purposes of drama, there's going to be more trouble. (gasps) Okay. But I mean, at the same time... You, you, you're going to mess with, with One Punch Finch? You're going to mess with that guy? Because he will snipe no. you. He yeah, will snipe right. you from, from a rooftop, you know what I mean? He'll whip Don't you even. with his really loose clothes. That's exactly like. right. Yeah. <laughs> He'll take you out with his parachute pants. Bang, 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 bang. So meanwhile, Atticus's client, Tom Robinson, has been sent to another prison 70 miles away whilst he appeals against the verdict. So that's the good news. He gets to make an appeal. Mm-hmm. Atticus is more confident that away from the town and hopefully the prejudice, he'll be pardoned. But explains to Scout that if he doesn't, he'll be sent to the electric chair. Oh, no. So he's facing serious punishment for a crime that he, let's be honest, probably didn't commit. Mm. Uh, Atticus also reveals that he was pleasantly surprised that one of the Maycomb jurors wanted to acquit Tom Robinson. And that's why it took them so long for the deliberation. And that was a member of the Cunningham family the same family where one of the men was going to try to lynch Tom Robinson just a couple of nights earlier. So they've really come oh. around. Yeah. The town is it's making... That whole, that, that whole weird, long story that didn't really go anywhere that Scout told, it really really That's turned right. some heads, you know? Mm. Really changed some minds in the ham fam. Yeah. You know? <laughs> I mean, they still seem... I mean, eventually he still did, I guess, say he was guilty. So maybe not. Maybe not. Oh doing, yeah, no, it anyway. didn't work. Didn't, yep. didn't work. In no, the long it didn't run work. Yet. Super. No. no, he still seems like a, still don't seem like well, good people. To but quote maybe Miss Morty, baby steps. That's right. Baby steps. <laughs> a few more people oh. are going to get wrongly commi- uh, convicted, but you know, <laughs> but it'll take longer. That's so right. it's the inefficiency that we're looking for. That's that's really <laughs> a symbol of change. Mm. The scout wants to invite Walter Cunningham over to play after hearing this news. It's the boy from her class. But Aunt Alexandra forbids it because his family is trash. She thinks everyone's trash, though, this, yeah. this lady. Come on. Mm, who who so. are you going to invite over? The, the, the Queen of England to play oh, with your kids? She's okay. She's on the she's list. She's busy. Oh, yeah. No, she's... Yeah. Mm. 
With all this, Scout is starting to understand why Boo Radley doesn't want to leave his house anyway. Mm. Mm. It doesn't sound like the best place to hang. There's not that many good people to hang with. Like, I feel like everyone would be a really bad person. Like, you'd be like, you know, when you're talking to someone and then suddenly they start to reveal who they really are and you're like, oh, no. <laughs> yeah, I've had two now. bloody weeks of that, let me tell you. And I'm not, I'm not happy about it. <laughs> tell you what. How Just dare oof, you? Oof, <laughs> oof. <laughs> Meso hasn't worked out that he can leave the call at any time. Yeah, no, I'm... <laughs> I'm not locked in here with you. You're locked in here with me. <laughs> on both of you. Where did the leave button go? The leave button's <laughs> gone. <laughs> uh, I must say, I know there's been a bit of doom and gloom in the second half of the, mm-hmm. the novel, and here is some more. Um, oh, no. Oh, uh, some bad news arrives one day. Tom Robinson attempted to, attempted to escape prison, and he was shot 17 times. Oh. And he died. Oof. I was going to say that would affect his appeal probably, but it uh, <laughs> doesn't, doesn't really matter now, does it, I guess? No. Uh, Atticus yeah. is tasked with telling his wife, Helen, the bad news, which, of course, is devastating. Aww. One person who isn't devastated is Bob Yule, who was heard saying, quote, that makes one down and about two more to go. Cool. Great. So now oh, it's, no. it's become like uh, I know what you did last summer. Like people are being... Struck off a list, you know? Yes. Did Bob Yule have any... Have, have we heard about his relationship with the police? Is he in with them? No, he's not in with them. Okay. All right. I started thinking maybe he had some sort of connections and has been doing terrible things, but he's just a bad man in general who just threatens people. He's, he's just a bad, bad man. That's right. But mm. And you're like... One down, two to go. Who are the two? Maybe Atticus? That's what I was wondering. Is, yeah. is the other the other Robertson family, or or is Atticus one of the, the mm. three? Mm, I know. It's what about um about the the police commissioner, mm. Jim Gordon? Oh, yeah, the sheriff. Yeah, that's yeah. right. Gordon. <laughs> I hope it's not his daughter. It's not. Ooh, that would be. Ooh. Anyway. Yeah. Yep. No, I think they're still living together. Oh, good. Oh. He's like, I know where you live. Yes, Dad. Yes, you do. (laughs) This house that we are currently in. Yes, 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 Father. Well, summer ends, Dill goes home again, and the Finches return to school. So now over two years have passed since the beginning of the story. So it is an over two-year run-up to the arm being broken at this point. Yeah. Oh, my God. No detail. This better be very good. No no detail has been spared. Hmm. This better wrap up like an episode of Seinfeld, let me tell you. Yeah. Every element is going to have to come together and crush that arm. Otherwise, I'm not going to be I'm, I'm not going to be happy. So to say, this has been a very long detour away from... I haven't heard about this arm in a while. What's no. this arm up to? Is it okay at the moment? The arm... Has there been... No? Yeah, it's pristine at the moment. Nice. Oh, it's untouched. Yeah. It's not a slow break where, like, something got in and it's just like... Oh, Ooh, oh, that's, oh, oh, I hated doing that. I hated pa- making a noise. Sorry, everyone. That's painful. Mm. Hey, book cheaters, just Dave here, dropping in to tell you that this week's episode of the show is sponsored by ExpressVPN. If you're not familiar, ExpressVPN lets you access the internet as if you're from a different country. Now, Netflix, which you might have, has different shows and movies available depending on where you are. And with ExpressVPN, you can easily unlock thousands of new shows and movies from streaming libraries around the globe. 
Now, there are hundreds of VPNs out there, but ExpressVPN is ridiculously fast. You can stream everything in HD quality, zero buffering. Use it on your phone, your laptop, your tablet, even your TV, and you can access many streaming services. I'm talking Netflix, Amazon Prime, BBC iPlayer, YouTube, and many more. Now, the way it works is it's so simple, you just fire up the ExpressVPN app on your phone or whatever you're using, change your location, hit connect, and then refresh the page, and the show or movie you want to watch will magically appear. And i got to tell you, this has changed my life. I've been on a real action movie binge lately, and I've watched most of the good ones on the Australian Netflix. Usually, I'd be stuffed. But I'm using ExpressVPN on my phone so I can watch action movies in bed from the Netflix libraries from Germany and South Korea is what I've been doing this week. I watched Terminator 2 and then Aliens, a couple of James Cameron classics, using the German Netflix. And then later in the week, bang, hit the button again. Suddenly my internet thinks I'm in South Korea and I'm watching the Bruce Willis film Death Wish. All three of those would highly recommend. So ExpressVPN, it's super easy to use, and if you're stuck at home like much of the world is at the moment, and you've already watched everything online, why not access more content from other countries? And here's a sweet little deal. If you use my link right now at expressvpn.com bookcheat, you can get an extra three months of ExpressVPN for free. All you do is go to expressvpnnvanelli.com slash bookcheat, and you'll get three months of ExpressVPN for free, and you'll be watching action movies from around the world in no time. I imagine it works for other movies, but what else do you need? Schwarzenegger, Sigourney Weaver, Bruce Willis. Now that is a Saturday night. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. But they're back at school, they're older, they're wiser, and now when they walk past Boo Radley's house, they're no longer frightened of the boogeyman inside. But Scout still is fascinated. She wants to see the reclusive man just once. Bob Yule, the bad boy here, starts causing trouble for people connected to the case. Judge Taylor, possibly one of the people on the list, sees a prowler in his yard and finds his back door open when it shouldn't be. Oh, suspicious. And Helen Robinson, the wife of the accused Robinson, who is dead, he starts following her and terrorizing her until uh, he's told to back off and then eventually he does. But what's worse is he blames Atticus for losing his job. So Aunt Alexandra worries for Atticus's safety. I lost my job at the shoveling manure factory. I'm, <laughs> I'm mad about it. <laughs> I lost my job at the being a dickhead factory where... Yeah. I just yell into cans all day. It says, open up a can of dickhead. And I just go, Aah! and then I close it. And it goes wrong. It's our bestseller. It's for pranks. People love it. <laughs> They're all labeled peanuts. <laughs> hey, you want some of this? You want some fresh peanuts? <laughs> You're a dickhead. Oh, gotcha. Oh. Anyway, he's lost that job. He's, very, he's, he's mad about it. Mm. That was the only useful thing he could do for society too. Yeah. Screaming into a jar. Now what's he going to do? 
Oh, um, Talkback Radio. Beck is where he's going Oh, okay. Go. Yeah, he's going to no, get a very high-paying yes. job in, on Australian Talkback Radio. That's ah. I'm yeah. just drawing cartoons for the Australian. Oh, you could do that also, yes. Yeah, he could do that also on the side. <laughs> Awful. <laughs> so Halloween comes around. The spookiest time of the year. I think we can all agree on that. I mean, I Christmas know. is pretty spooky. Yeah. Christmas is spooky. Okay. Yeah. Have you ever been out uh, walking and there are lights and a big old man with a big beard is t- coming in your house? Pretty spooky. That is very spooky. That is spooky. Christmas. Yeah, Halloween. There's no tradition of an old man coming inside your house. So, no, I agree. Pumpkins. Pumpkins are very easy to deal with. You just kick him. <laughs> Can't kick that man. He's too big. He comes down your chimney. <laughs> Blah! He's got a sack full of things. He goes. Whoa! Ow. Nah. Well, the school puts on a Halloween pageant and parade starring the kids. Ah, oh, okay, that is spooky. I yeah. apologise. That's terrifying. Well, it's the spookiest theme of all. The theme is agriculture. Oh. <laughs> I love this. I love the idea of this. Is everyone dressed as carrots? Well, everyone has to dress up as a food. Try and guess what. Ah. Guess what scout is designated to dress up as? A tater. Is a she tater. Bird? She chicken? No, she's not. But she is meat. Cook. She is a meat. A big steak. Well, kind of. A T-bone. A lamb chop? No. A cow? No. Um, Goose? Oh, no. Suvlaki? A rissole? Is she a rissole? (laughs) She is. Is she a a long stick of cabana? (laughs) Well. Is she a a chicky nug nug? One of those (laughs) chicky nug nugs. Is she two kilos of twiggy sticks that you buy at the deli? Oh, oh yeah, man, is she good. is she a hundred hundred and fifty grams of shaved ham also from the deli <gasps> in a plastic bag? Is she that face meat? You know that face meat that's got the face, the ham that's mm. got the face meat. Is yeah, she is she, is she is she Devon Devon meat? <laughs> well, Massa, you've actually guessed it already. She's designated to be a ham. Oh Amazing. my goodness! <laughs> wow, that's a great look. And her mm-hmm. cue. When the teacher narrating it is when the teacher calls out pork, that's her cue to run on stage. <laughs> Why wasn't she dressed as a pig? That's a lot more achievable. I know. How do you dress as ham? What is yeah, ham? Is this a, is this a funny book? Would you would you call this a funny book? I mean, there's been some heavy stuff in it, there's but I think just the funny just the, the idea of somebody being brought on a stage with pork, pork. that's pretty funny. <laughs> Yeah, that is funny. And also, is she like a big round bit of ham or is she like Christmas leg ham? Well, what type of ham her, is she? Her costume's made with chicken wire and Jem says she resembles a ham with legs. So mission accomplished. I guess oh. it's a Christmas ham. I reckon it's that sort yeah. of ham. Like with a bone out the top. Or a Halloween ham. <laughs> mm. Ham-a-ween. When I read, Ham-a-ween. When I read that she was mm. uh, dressed as a ham, I actually put the book down and had a little laugh because I thought that was very, very... <laughs> That's a good look. I, was just... I would dress as that. <laughs> was... Now, Dave, do you have... Now, is this relevant to the plot or are we just really, really taking our time with... Like, is there a, is there a point where she has to... She's being pursued by, by, the, by the evil Yule man and, and so she has to, like, hide in a... In a in a like in a in a butcher's deli case or something like that. She has to hide. And then he can't like, find her because she's she's dressed as a ham. She's like hanging from a meat hook. <laughs> yeah. He's like, hang on, this ham has legs. <laughs> I'm leg ham. 
Oh, Meso. Very well done. Yeah. Yeah, good job. Thank you. And what's everybody else dressed as? Is that important? Uh, Do we know? Do we learn? One of the kids is dressed as a cow, so she could have been a pig, but she's just the end product rather than... Is Dill dressed as a pickle? Because if he's not, I'm disappointed. I'm afraid not. He's been sent home. He's not not even dressing up, poor little boy. Oh. So, um... It's 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 showtime. She's got the ham costume on. Sadly, Atticus <laughs> and Aunt Alexandra are too tired to attend the concert. So Jem escorts his sister to the play. On the walk there, one of their fellow students called Cecil Jacobs scares them by jumping out at them from the darkness. And they're like, Oh, spooked. They get to the school and they, <laughs> they go to the haunted house set up in a classroom. Scout wants to bob for apples, but her friend says it's not sanitary and they might catch something from the water. So this kid is before their time. Oh, my God. <laughs> Bobbing for apples is really out now, isn't it? Because it was never yeah. good, but now... It's really out. We're never going to bob for apples again. It's over, Beck. It's over. Uh, I'll just have to bob for apples myself. <laughs> Set up my own bobbing. We're going to we're gonna have to bob for apples in virtual reality. <laughs> Ooh. <laughs> I got one. Yeah. Gonna have to bloody bob for apples on TikTok with all the children. <laughs> the bob for apple the dance. Yeah, that's right. It's not a good dance. You just started doing it and I was like, let's let's not do a bob for apple dance, actually, I've decided. Just like a it's not good. It doesn't uh-huh. look attractive. I'm bobbing for apples, are you? <laughs> are you though? <laughs> have a go at home and you'll know what we mean. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, finally, it's time for all the play's actors, including Ham, to go backstage. Great. But sadly, it's not Ham's finest hour. <laughs> was, Harper Lee, was Harper Lee being p- paid by the Beef Council or something like that? <laughs> we need it's more just ham. a series of misadventures for Ham. Don't... No, 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 no. <laughs> well, sadly... If only she'd been Beef. <laughs> Scout falls asleep backstage and misses her cue, which, remember, was the teacher saying pork, which results in the teacher yelling pork three more times. That's very, that's pretty good. I said pork, pork, I said pork. (laughs) (laughs) When uh, Scout wakes up, she runs on stage very, very late. She's missed the cue completely. The play's moved on, but she wants to get involved. And Judge Taylor, watching on, laughs so hard he needs a glass of water. <laughs> the director slash teacher slash pork yeller, Miss Merriweather, scolds Scout for ruining her show. So it's a bit of a sad moment for Ham. I mean, mm. it doesn't sound like that good a show if it's just her yelling out different things and oh. people walking on dressed. Yeah, I would it. imagine the yelling, the cue yelling, would probably take me out of like as a as an audience yeah. member. The the magic of the 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 play itself would probably be ruined yeah, by somebody could... screaming out stage directions. Yeah, you know what was coming up. <laughs> yeah. Mm. But Jem cheers up Scout and makes her feel all right, so he's becoming um a better, bigger brother, which is nice. She decides to keep the wire ham costume on for the long walk home. <laughs> Who wouldn't? <laughs> I would love to just be walking down the street and see ham walking down the street. Yeah. I mean, I do most days because I'm quite hungry for ham. Well, there's a guy in uh, Melbourne, isn't there? I mean, I imagine he's probably, uh, you know, off the streets right now. But isn't there a man he walks around Melbourne with a giant carrot? There is. Yeah, and other yes. giant props. And he just does it because people are like, ah, carrots. Like that's his, you know, that's his thing. And mm. I say good on him. I 
do you know what this this book is partly inspired me. I feel like if I were to make a giant ham costume, then it would be quite good for social distancing. And I probably won't need to <laughs> wear a mask because I am wearing a giant ham costume, and you That's can just true, see yeah. my legs. So <laughs> if I make it like if I put like a nice um breathable layer in there, I reckon yeah okay all right I'm gonna dress as a ham. You've done it. Nice. You've convinced me. Will you be handing okay. out ham, like a bag of shredded ham? No, but I will be eating a lot of ham inside <laughs> the ham. So when I walk past you, you will hear, <laughs> it's just me eating ham in there, so don't worry. You'd be it's like, hmm, that's a distinct whiff of ham from that ham costume. That's an extra <laughs> extra layer of authenticity there. <laughs> Terrific. Ham smells like a ham. So they're walking home, Scout's wearing the ham, and in the dark... It's very, very dark. They can't see anything. Jem suddenly tells Scout to hush. It feels like they're being followed. They assume it's just Cecil Jacobs again, doing a bit of a prank. But when they call out to him, Mm. he doesn't answer. And they're like, usually he would have done the prank by now. We haven't heard anything. Mm. And he's dressed as a big sushi, so we would have seen him (laughs) as well by now. He also smells like sushi and he's gone off. (laughs) (laughs) So the kids continue in the near pitch black night and are nearly at the road, which has light, when they they hear steps running behind them. Jem yells for Scout to run, but she can't keep balance in the ham costume and falls to the ground screaming. Good tip for you, Beck, for later when you build your ham costume. Don't try and run in the ham costume. Because also the ham will get all over me that's in the costume. (laughs) Don't want to ruin good ham. So the ham's on the ground. Something crushes the metal chicken wire around her and she hears the sound of metal on metal. She's like, what the hell's happening? The man dressed as a giant set of tongs. <laughs> trying, to, <laughs> trying to put her back in the oven. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jim falls too, but he's up like lightning and starts dragging Scout, but he's then pulled backwards towards the ground. Scout turns after him, but is grabbed and squeezed by an attacker and she struggles to breathe. That's how tightly someone's grabbing her. Oh. Suddenly, the attacker themselves is dragged backward and flung onto the ground. So everyone's grabbing everyone. Hmm. It's a real what grab fest. Person, <laughs> what sort of person attacks clearly a child dressed as ham? What a well, weird situation. We'll I mean, soon we're find, find out. out. Yeah, but what, a, uh, what an individual. Yes. Scout reaches on the ground for Jem, but instead finds a man with a stubble smelling of whiskey. Hmm. And when... She, so this is in the dark, so you can't see him, but she can feel and smell him. And when she looks out, she sees another man carrying Jem away under the streetlight. <gasps> the man then carries Jem home and Atticus helps carry the boy inside. Scout also runs away, makes it home, and a doctor and the sheriff are called. The doctor reveals that Jem is unconscious and has a bump on his head and a broken arm. Oh, Whoa. there we go. That's how it happened. Uh, if you don't mind, I'll read a little bit after the the broken arm as well. I could end the story there, but there is a little bit more. If you'd like <laughs> okay, it. right, good. If you care right. about anything else in the story. <laughs> but if you're here just for the broken arm, you can turn off now. That's why it is. <laughs> well, Scout goes in to see Jim, and in the same room is the man that carried him home, the rescuer. Scout does not, does not recognize him. She reasons it's probably some sort of countryman she didn't know who'd just been at the pageant and had heard them cry out and had just helped them out. I just really liked ham. Yeah, big fan mm. of ham. Big ham fan. 
But gotta save that ham. Whose house? What mysterious? What mysterious gentleman's mysterious house has been d- described repeatedly by Dave as smelling of ham? <laughs> Boo Radley's. Real- it's Boo Radley. <laughs> oh, is it really? All the all the clues were there. <laughs> all the hammy oh, clues. This is like. This is like a Sherlock sort of thing. That's you right. Put it together, sort of. That's right. Really. Yep. Yeah. I'm ahead of you. I'm ahead of. I'm ahead of you, Dave. I know who this is because of the clues about the ham from earlier. <laughs> I was just sprinkling a bit of shredded ham on this story, and you've really picked mm-hmm. up what I was whiffing out. So I appreciate that. But you were whiffing out. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> just, you know what? You what, picked up my stink. Yeah. <laughs> it really <laughs> stank. What I was whiffing out was uh, off ham. So enjoy that. <laughs> Oh, that doesn't smell good. So the sheriff arrives and delivers some news. He says, quote, Bob Yule's lying down on the ground under that tree down yonder with a kitchen knife stuck up his ribs. He's dead, Mr. Finch. Bob Yule is dead. He was the one attacking them. Oh, my God. What a terrible man. Yeah. But he's dead. Just attack these children. Why not? He's lying. Ah. He's, He's cold. He's dead. Scout's ham costume is examined, and it's realised that the wire she was wearing... Examined. <laughs> Wish you could all see Mace's face right now. I love it. It's, uh, it's realised upon examination, the ham and the wire she was wearing stopped a knife slashing into her, so that was the sound. It's like oh, a, my it's like God! A, it's like a Bible and a bullet. Yes. Amazing. So Beck, Thank you, Ham. Beck, you're invincible. <laughs> if you go door-to-door in your ham costume, like as long as that's like a, a Kevlar ham suit, you are absolutely mm. protected. Oh, my goodness. What the hell? No. I'm smelling a blockbuster ah. film franchise. Iron ham. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Oh, you. Yeah. <laughs> it's only then that Scout... Pepper goes with Iron Ham really well, too. Perfect. That works. Good. Oh, that's, a, that's, a love, that's a love triangle. That's a love triangle. Man yeah. and woman and ham. <laughs> I was wondering who the third in the triangle was, of course. It's always it's ham. ham. It's always ham. It's only then that Scout looks over at the man that carried Jem home. She studies him. Quote, his face was as white as his hands. As I gazed at him in wonder, the tension slowly drained from his face. His lips parted into a timid smile, and our neighbor's image blurred with my sudden tears. Hey, boo, I said. <laughs> hey, boo. Hey, boo. <laughs> hey, boo. I thought that was so funny, too. So Also, it's Halloween, and boo is there? Mm. This is all connected. That's right. He's like a book that's been written. He's appeared on Halloween. (laughs) So they're freaky neighbour. You you wouldn't read about it, would you, Beck? (laughs) You couldn't bloody write this sort of stuff, could you? You couldn't bloody write it. You couldn't make it up. No, you what? Couldn't make this up. (laughs) Bloody truth is... This particular fiction is stranger than fiction, as far as I'm concerned. (laughs) So I like that that's like the big reveal that Boo Radley is the one that saved them. But I also love... And he's probably a murderer. I love that the big reveal is... Hey, boo. (laughs) (laughs) So everyone except Jem, who's basically unconscious, goes out and sits on the porch, and Atticus thinks that Jem is the one that stabbed Yule. Whoa. And when the sheriff 
Sheriff says, hey, that's not what happened. Atticus thinks he's trying to cover it up, which he doesn't want to do. He's like, no, I'm a man of the truth. If that's what he did, we'll get him off in self-defense. And the sheriff's like, no, that's not what happened. And he's like, no, no, don't try and pretend just because he's a kid. Oh, my God, Atticus. Just take the hint, man. What are you doing? Oh, my God. And then the sheriff says that Bob Ewell clearly fell on his own knife and killed himself by accident. And Atticus keeps insisting that the truth must come out until the sheriff says, God damn it, I'm not thinking of Jem. Atticus slowly realized it wasn't his son who killed Ewell, but it was Boo Radley. Mm. The sheriff says, Ewell is responsible for Tom Robinson's death. So, quote, let the dead bury the dead. Nice. That's good. That's good. Mm. Good turn of phrase. I like it. We'll say he fell on these bullets. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> All 36 of them. And then stitch them in. Isn't that what happens? We were talking yep. about that earlier. And that's right. Yes, Jesus. that's right. <laughs> Oof. And Scout hears this and says to her father, he's right. It'd be sort of like shooting a mockingbird, wouldn't it? Which is a quote from Atticus in the first half of the book when he says, it's a sin to kill a mockingbird. Basically like, ah. why would we take out this innocent man? For protecting us from this evil man. You know what I mean? Mm, that's right. So they agree on the story. They agree that they'll say that Yule fell on the knife several <laughs> times and bled to death. No, just once, but still. Mm. I mean, he did try to stab a ham. <laughs> child. Yep. That's right. A child. An eight-year-old eight ham. That, not the ham. <laughs> Boy. Oof. But you know, sometimes you you're on you've 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 been you're late it's late night, you've been at the pub and you're on the way home and you're like, Jeez, I could bloody stab a ham. I'll tell you what, I could bloody bloody go. Oh, that's what happened. Yeah, yeah, that's oh. what happened. Yeah, yeah. I could murder I could, ham, I could right murder now. an entire Christmas ham right now. Oh look. That's right. There's one with legs. Oh, look, it's on its legs. <laughs> what? Get back here, ham. <laughs> I mean it could have been like, you know, all those videos that have been coming up of cake that looks like other things are we sure that she didn't look exactly like a christmas ham i don't i think he's hmm. still a bad man and that you oh, i think so too actually yeah. walking down the street yeah yeah, yeah. but mm-hmm. did he did was it a really good ham costume it was pretty good how much detail pretty okay, good right. <laughs> well i still don't think it's forgivable don't stab ham if you if the listeners if you're out there and you learn only one thing from this podcast don't stab ham. Don't, Don't stab do ham. it. Stab ham. Every classic novel's got a moral, and there it is. There yep. it is. Right. Just to finish up here, Boo Radley asks Scout to walk him home, which she does. And the narrator tells us, presumably many years later writing this, that she never saw him again. Oh. There you go. Huh. That's, she didn't even pop by? She could have. She, she lives in the bloody, bloody house next door. What are you doing? Your hello. He was a recluse. How are you doing? And that's how he liked hey, it. Hey, Boo. 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 Return my calls, boo. <laughs> and then uh, just to finish up with a couple of quotes, this is um on the last page or so. Scout writes, years later, we presume, Atticus was right. One time he said, you ne- never really know a man until you stand in his shoes and walk around in them. Just standing on the Radley porch was enough. All his shoes were there and I went bloody nuts at him. I just, <laughs> just doing a little tap dance, just having a grand old time. He's a recluse. What's he going to do? That's right. So Scout goes home and Atticus reads to her until she falls asleep. When he gets her up to go to bed, she insists, oh, I, I heard every word, and starts recounting the story. She describes one of the characters as really nice. 
He replies, most people ask out when you finally see them. And then the final line is, he turned out the light and went into Jem's room. He would be there all night and would be there when Jem waked up in the morning. End quote. And that's, that's the end good. of the hmm. book. I enjoy that she wrote waked up instead of woke up there. Yeah. <laughs> I enjoy it too, yeah. I mean, that's, I like that. you know, it's the, a nice, nice way to end, end a book, you know, the, maybe the last line that people remember, put a, put a grammatical error yeah, in it. Or good. maybe it's a test to see if the editor actually bothered reading all the way to the end. Yes, and that's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They clearly yeah. didn't. 30 million copies later, they've all got that typo in it. <laughs> but so it feels like it should have ended on a, a, a quote about the broken arm again. Like that would have yep. been really nice, like a little bit of a bookend if it was like, and uh, wake up in the morning with his broken arm or something like, on that broken arm. <laughs> and that is uh, the end of To Kill a Mockingbird. Hooray! Thank you. Yes. Hooray. That's for Harper Lee. What mm. what do you how do you feel at the end? No, of no, that, that was for you, Dave. That was not for Harper Lee. That was for you. Oh, my applause you. is only for you and Beck, but not Harper Lee. Okay. Actually, my applause was for Harper Lee and also Ham. Oh, three so, cheers oh, for Ham. Dave. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The MVP, the real MVP. MVP was Ham. H A M was the MVP <laughs> of this story. <laughs> what can't it do? Deflect a knife. Hide a lady. All the greats. Taste real smoky. Mm. Oh, yeah. That's good stuff. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Put it in an omelet. Oh, yum. Of justice. <gasps> wow. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> an omelet of justice. Um, yeah, well, how do you feel with the, the ending of the story? Um. Well, I mean, it, it was a good... I, I as, a, as a kind of a slice of life of that time period, I think it was very interesting. But if, if you're out... If you're if you, the kind of person who will, you know, read this kind of book or watch this kind of story to, to have a, a grand old time and see justice served for all the good people, uh, you're not going to get it with this, are you? It's, mm. uh, it's, uh, yeah, I mean, I mean, a bloke got stabbed and that was pretty good, but, you know. That's right. That's all it right. It does seem like it is very... I mean, it is a sort of a, a, a sad book, <laughs> sort of. It is a sad book. Put that on the cover. Uh, sort of a sad yeah, book, I reckon. <laughs> Beck portrayers. Uh, yeah, but it is that very, you know, it does seem to represent the shittiness of then as well. Mm, like, mm. and I feel like that's, I mean, that's something. At least, they, but it, yeah. But I then suppose... I say shittiness of then, shittiness of now, really, shittiness yeah. It still needs to get dealt with. <laughs> but I suppose it still it has the that little bit of hope throughout it. Like us, mm. Scout is clearly growing to person into a person with proper values and learning a lot about accepting people, all that sort of stuff. So it does have that mm. little bit of hope underneath it as well. A little bit, but she didn't become a bird, and she did get stabbed while she was ham. Oh, if I was yeah. her, I would not grow up <laughs> super good after that experience. I would have been like. Oh, remember that really awful trial I went to as a too small child, and then I got stabbed as a ham. I'm not gonna. I'm, I don't. I don't feel good. But can I point out that what saved mm. her wasn't the ham, but it was chicken wire, which is of course <gasps> bird wire. So bird. So maybe that is something. Yes. Wow, that yep. is something, and and she that was, is becoming yeah. a bird because a bird is inside. Chicken wire, because that's where that's chickens right. live. They live inside wire. Yes, 
Yes. They would also get in a ham if they had the opportunity. If yes. they had the chance, they would do, absolutely do that, yeah. We've cracked the wow. code. That's the she secret message of the book. <laughs> become a bird. <laughs> Save yourself. I mean, it would be nice to be a bird. I feel like it's a lot simpler life. A lot less complex. Except there was once pigeons who uh, put some eggs on my balcony. That's not how you say that. They put some eggs there. Were they pranking <laughs> they put you? put some eggs on my balcony. <laughs> and I was so excited and I was watching these pigeons with these eggs. And then um, I was like, I remember I was filming it on Snapchat. I was so excited. It's back in the day. And then um, one day I woke up and uh, another bird had come and smashed all the eggs. So, you know, maybe maybe bird life isn't as good either. Maybe it's oh. all very complex. You'd show and up right. and you'd be like, ah, the eggs. <laughs> Holy hell. Yeah, crikey. <laughs> My eggs I put there. What happened? Yes. Like, yeah, they got bullied by another bird. Yeah. Anyway, that's, look, I'm just saying, I said I wanted to be a bird and then I remembered that b- bad bird story and then I don't think I want to be a bird. Maybe an emu. They oh, seem yeah. to be yeah. fine. They just... They just run around and they got no arms. They're a lot more, like a lot more grounded, arms, aren't they? they? Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Sorry, this is not. I mean, it's to kill a mockingbird, so it is to. It is about birds. <laughs> it's not about birds. <laughs> but it is a little bit about birds. Let's not forget that. Mm. It is a little bit about birds, but I think that's a very small part of it. It mostly <laughs> seems to be about racism. That's right. And uh, and people being fuckwits. And acceptance. A little bit of acceptance. Mm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And tolerance. Mm. And birds. And ham. Yep. And birds. Yes. But at the end of of the, the story, I get the people that are the guests on the show to rate it out of five. Now, at the end of part one, let me remind you that Meso and mm-hmm. Beck, both of you actually gave it three and a half out of five. I'd given mm. it a four and a half out of five. So now you've heard the second half. A lot more ham, mm-hmm. but less birds mm. than probably some of you. Especially Beck would have liked. So I'm going to ask you first of all, Beck. Overall, he's sticking with a 3.5 out of five. Has it improved or gone down in your books? No, I think it went up. I think I'm going to give it another half. I think I'm going to say four out of five. Beck's going to reckon four out of five. Yeah, I think it was. Look, it sounds like a good book. It's. I mean, it's a good story. Uh, but it's yeah, and I think it is representative of issues in our society that still need to be dealt with today. So. It's kind of, yeah, and I guess it's a reason why people study it because of there's so many themes in there to look at um, and hopefully for people to digest and actually learn something. But, you know, that here's hoping. Here's hoping. So four mm. out of five, thank you. Meso, how about you? Is it, are you sticking with three and a half or are you giving it more? I think less? I'm going to stick with three and a half stars. Look, I mean, the second part gave me a lot of stuff that I like, like law and order and <laughs> cured meat knife fights mm. and all all the things that I come to a, a great work of literary fiction for. Mm. Mm. But I don't know. I feel like the parts one and two maybe didn't gel as as well as I thought they might. Like it felt like it was a there was a coming of age story at the start, and then there was a a legal drama in the second part, and and they just were just sort of mushed together mm. and uh they, they could have been you know i then yeah there was a lot of there was an extraordinary amount of lead up to that broken arm you know what i mean and can i, I just like ask Meso, are, are you disappointed that in the first half yes we were told that atticus when he was growing up was known as one shot finch for being a great mm-hmm. shot oh. and you yes. actually in the first half predicted 
that I'm sure that that'll come up in the second half. And then it never did. There was a stabbing, but there was no mm. shooting whatsoever. I also expected when I was reading it that, ah, he's going to shoot someone from a distance yeah. and be the hero. Yeah, yeah, it's right. a red herring. Yeah, that's yeah. a, yeah, it's a, that's it's a, a fish, real... That's um, not a bird. Exactly. It's a real Chekhov's gun situation where you, you, mm. you've set that up. And he's the, he's the, the killingest gunslinger of the Old West. And then all of a sudden... It never oh, went off. Hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a bit but nice it, that Scout's use of friendship did save... Her and other people. That was nice. she was being nice, and then that saved her in the end. And then she was being nice, and that sort of saved... Oh, but then he did... Hmm. <laughs> hmm. <laughs> okay. Complex. <laughs> okay, okay, but okay. She was, not, she was a nice, nice girl, absolutely. I'm going to give the book... I'm going to bump it. I gave it a four and a half last week. I'm going to bump it up to a five. I really did enjoy this. Wow. Oh, okay. Did enjoy yeah. it a lot. Really enjoyed the writing. It made me feel something, which is good. It's good to know you're alive, even if you are feeling sad at some points. Hmm. Yeah, I, w- I would highly, highly recommend it. Um, do I need to add? It's one of the Pul- Pulitzer Prize. It's sold 30 million copies. It's one of the most famous books ever, but you heard it from me here. It's good. <laughs> it's good. That's Dave's seal of approval. Yeah, right. That's, they're going to print that on the next edition. Definitely. Nice. But yeah, well, that does bring us to the end of To Kill a Mockingbird. What a journey we've been on together the last month or so, uh, I guess by the time this comes out. Yeah, last few weeks anyway. So I really appreciate you guys coming back for part two to finishing finish off this classic. It is. Did I point this out to you last week? Once I went through the suggestions, this is the most suggested book I've got. So... Is it, is it because so many people study it and they just want to cheat? Is that why? It's a big part. It's, I think it's 50% of people wanting to <laughs> cheat it and 50% of people loving it so much that they're like, oh. I really, I'd really, i like you to do a book that I love or people that are like, I can't be bothered reading it or I've heard so much about it. Just do it so I get the gist of it. There you go. So for both of those people, those types of people, I hope we did you proud. I hope so, yeah. Let us know if you um if you did write an essay based solely on uh, what we said about this, uh, hmm. yeah, let us know how that went. If you maybe um, only wrote an essay based on the first half and then you've had to, like, delay your teacher <laughs> from, like, you know, just be, just give me two more weeks. Teach, yo, come teach. On, give me two more weeks. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to put my thoughts together. Well, good and luck, do, idiot. Do let me know about your parasites. I am still interested. Yeah, that's interested. right. Tape let me know talk. what worms you got. The yeah, that's tweet right. me. Sadly, the f- I want it <laughs> out of context that I don't understand. Say a random worm at me. What have you got in your guts? Let me know. Sadly, the phone was here the whole time and no one ever rang, so I'm really sorry. Oh, wow. I guess my listeners have oh. good gut health, so sorry about that. They- Where's the weirdest place you've ever had a tape worm? <laughs> Call in. It's not that many places to have one. No, nah, probably guess. just in your guts, I guess. Yeah, yeah, probably just in your guts. Unless it yeah. oh, could be in your nose, actually. Maybe, yeah. Oh, mm-hmm. no. Yeah. All right. Well, we, what a great note to end on. Yeah, we better get out of here. Thank you so much uh, coming on, uh, Bicky and Miso Soup. Appreciate What a pleasure. Being here with me, Dave, uh, aka the Cobra. The Cobra. The Cobra, so, yes. Appreciate that. <laughs> now, Meso. You've got to say that you've got a fantastic podcast called The Weekly Planet where people can hear you every week. In fact, it's a a couple of times a week these days. 
Uh, yeah, I mean, we do we do a, a regular podcast uh, where we talk about uh, movies and comic books and TV shows and all kinds of stuff. Uh, I also pretty regularly appear on a, a YouTube channel called Mr. Sunday Movies where we would talk dumb movie stuff, little clips and things like that. And we've got a, we've got a uh, website called BigSandwich.co. If you want to sign up to that, uh, subscribe, then we, we, we bring in bonus podcasts and all kinds of, all kinds of different stuff. Some um, movie commentaries, all sorts of stuff. Yeah, it's good. Yeah, lots of fun. Fantastic. Thank you so much. Uh, and Mr. Sunday's, of course, been on, on this show before a couple of times. And Beck, Hello. a couple of weeks later, how's the sequel <laughs> to Kentucky Fried Chatton? How's that coming along? Did I pressure you into I'm releasing still... it? I mean, you have. I've now been thinking about it more. And now I'm still working on something at the moment. I, I'm doing writing five days a week with a writing partner. But soon I'll have a bit more time. And I reckon maybe I might try and sneak that up on stupid old channel at some point so just keep an eye out fantastic um, that's a youtube channel you can go to youtube.com slash stupid old channel there's a lot of good stuff there there's a do go on web series you can watch that's right there's a blooming uh that's got you in it dave i hear yeah I'm, I'm, uh, i was there for a bit of that <laughs> yeah uh there's gamey gamey game which was a great show about games and there's also some sketches by uh two comedians called lena moon and annie lumsden up there at the moment and they're very good they're very so funny go they're very funny them. I look forward to the things to look. Yeah, at. I look forward to the new stuff that the channel's cranking out all the time. And um, gamey, gamey, game. I'm sure you'll be doing more of that in the future when it's more possible. Probably. <laughs> yes, we are working out how to do it. We currently cannot go where this desk is, but uh, we'll work out something. We're we're in the process of working it out. Fantastic. Um, or we'll just all be streaming on Twitch. You pretty much can watch. Everyone who does gaming game at the moment is streaming on Twitch. Oh, just gotta... Ben is doing some very good sketches. Ben Russell, sorry, twi- uh, streams. Mm. Yeah. Evan is streaming every Saturday on Twitch. If you want to watch Evan, if you know about gaming game, because he is literally just sitting uh, and and talking about technology. Last time he was just talking about robots for a long time. <laughs> we found out that the robot from Flubber is uh, up for auction at the moment for four grand, and the four Twitch stream is almost. Yeah, yeah, it's pretty. Are you gonna I mean, get it? Four grand US. Well, hmm. that's the thing. The people on Twitch, all the commenters were like, "Come on, Evan, get it!" And I had to yell <laughs> from the other room. I'm like, "Evan, if you buy that robot, <laughs> I will love you Evan. forever." You said. <laughs> I did say that. Yeah. I was like, please get me that flappy yellow fly robot man. Flip, flip. Oh, it was a, it was a woman. Anyway, huh. uh, in short, you can watch Evan on Twitch uh, in, on Saturdays. You know, if you bought that robot, you could sit it next to your um, Bicentennial Man robot and then you'd have almost all the Robin Williams robots. That's true. So. You joke, but you can actually buy the Bicentennial Man hands at auction oh, wow. at the moment too. Oh this God. auction is amazing. I shouldn't yeah. be talking about this because I feel like this will just cause everyone to just Google and don't, don't, guys, don't buy the Bicentennial Man's hands. Okay, I mean... <laughs> you have... Just buy food. Buy Oreos and Grey Goose, like me. <gasps> yeah. person who makes smart decisions. <laughs> All right, well, thank you so much for joining me, and hopefully we'll live to do another podcast again someday. <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, <laughs> Dave. Jesus. Dave. My I'm goodness. I'm not going to die. I'm going to be dressed as ham. Look, let's just, let, let's just say it's a sort of reverse jinx situation. If we just keep saying this... Guys, oh. we're going to die this week, all right? <laughs> all three of us in very similar but separate freak accidents. Oh, okay. So now we're going to live forever. Thank you. Yep. Appreciate no, it's, that. That's how this works. Yep, this is how it works. Beck, don't even worry about it. Okay. Well, thank you for that blessing. And until next time, I'll say 
Books forever! Ham forever! (laughs) (laughs) Hey, book cheaters and book chooks. It is Dave here dropping in at the end of the episode. First of all, to thank your lovely self for downloading it in the first place. Thank you so much. It does mean a lot to me. And to also let you know that, maybe you know this already, but Book Cheat is made possible by uh, people that support the show on Patreon. Now, patreon.com slash dogoonpod is actually the place that you go to because this show is a spin-off of Do Go On that I do with Matt Stewart and Jess Perkins. And because of the people on Patreon, we've been able to create new podcasts, um, spin-off shows. So Matt's got Primates and Listen Now. This season he's going through, uh, him and Sam are going through 80s, 80s rock records. We've also got a uh, exclusive show on there. On uh, our Patreon feed, you can get uh, a monthly show called Phrasing the Bar, where we go through the films of Brendan Fraser. Fantastic actor. And, of course, Book Cheat has been started. And because people support the show, to uh, thank them as well as giving them the bonus content that you get on Patreon, like shout-outs, you get to vote for stuff, you get discounts to all our live shows... We tell you about stuff in advance with newsletters and things like that. I announced the book that I'm going to do on there a few days beforehand. So you can uh, get hands on a copy of your That Way Inclined. We put out three bonus episodes a month. One of them is Phrasing the Bar. One's usually a mini report of Duga One. And uh, something else as well. It's usually like a quiz or a bit of a misc. It's a mystery, mystery bag. But one thing, of course, that I like to do is thank people by name that support the show. And uh, if they like to... They can tell me their favourite book, which I read out. And I've got six names standing here right now, standing by. Uh, they're waiting in the wings to tell me their favourite book via these messages. I've got them to stand here. Um, you won't be hearing from them. Um, I am a bit of a megalomaniac and it's just me on the show, but they'll be standing by, waving at me whilst I read out their favourite book and judge them. No, that's not true. I love you all equally. And I appreciate your books. And I appreciate your support. So I'm going to uh, thank a few of these beautiful people now. So standing by, I'm waving at Brianna Nash, who writes, Hello, fellow book nerds. <laughs> Hello, Brianna. Uh, Brianna's written, Growing up, my favourite book was always Harry Potter and the Prisoner of Azkaban. The undisputed best book, and that's a hill I will 100% die on. I'm with you. I agree. One of my fave. Uh, Brianna writes, But as an adult, my fave book is Kiss of the Spider Woman by Manuel Puig. To be honest, I did look up how to say that, and I still don't think I've absolutely nailed it. An Argentinian author, Manuel Puig. Brenner's written it. It's an interesting, interesting structure, and so beautifully written. Highly recommend. There you go, Spider-Woman. Kiss of the Spider-Woman. Thanks, Brianna. Adam Castles has written in to say my favourite book here. My favourite book series is probably The Young Bond Books by Charlie Higson. They introduced me to other Bond classics like Casino Royale, which I would love to see you cover on the show. When I was growing up, there wasn't Casino Royale, but there was a compilation on my granddad's shelf that I now have the copy of the book, and it was a compilation of Dr. No, Thunderball, Goldfinger, Honor Majesty's Secret Service. And I was fascinated with this as a kid because I always loved James Bond. Pierce Brosnan was the Bond when I was growing up. And uh, absolutely, yeah, was fascinated by it. Um, I think I only ever read one of them, but just having the copy there, it was just cool. It was... Yeah, Sean Connery on the cover with Ursula Andress, that famous bikini scene. And yeah, I just I just loved it. So if I can find that copy, I think I would love to do at least one of those books. Maybe not Casino Royale because it's not in there, but I would, would like to do a Bond book. So thanks, Adam. 
uh, Victoria Scott's written in to say, hey, thank you so much for all the effort you put into all your podcasts. Thanks, Victoria. That's very, very kind of you. Especially during times like these, I look forward so much to listening to them and having a good laugh. Hey, thanks so much. They keep me sane too, I've got to be honest. Uh, Victoria writes, my favourite book is The Song of Achilles by Madeline Miller, which is a retelling of the Iliad, which is written the story of the Trojan War. It's a brilliant read, and I end up coming back to it a couple of times a year. I'll definitely recommend it. Wow, that's high praise indeed for that book, isn't it? Twice a year. Love it. Thanks, Victoria. Our next favourite book entry comes from WWF Wyatt William Fremlin. Hi, Dave. Raining Pie King. Thank you so much, Wyatt. I love a pie. God, everyone's so nice this week. Wyatt's written, thank you guys for all that you do. You're all such a sweet release of stress and anxiety that simply cannot be topped. Oh, gosh, I appreciate that. Thanks, Wyatt. My favourite book growing up was definitely The Goblet of Fire. Well, I'd hate to break that to Rihanna, who definitely thinks number three is the best one. But all right, we'll go with The Goblet of Fire. Thanks, Wyatt. Most recently, Wyatt writes, I've been reading Dan Carlin from Hardcore History's book. And even though it's existential as hell, it's a bloody blast. I'm going to be honest with you, I'm a big fan of Dan Carlin and Hardcore History. I did not know he had a book. That would be amazing to read. Currently on my third listen through of the Hardcore History episodes on the Fall of the Roman Republic, Death Throes of the Republic, six episodes. I'm onto the sixth part, which goes for five or six hours. Man, what a storyteller. I'd love to read his book. So thanks, Wyatt William Fremlin. Bjorn Hopp has written in to say, Hi Dave, my favourite book is The Lord of the Rings, easily. Reread the whole thing two years ago. Now in the grim times of social distancing and quarantine, I've been listening to it on Audible again. It's kind of the perfect book for our time. For one, because Middle-earth is such a vibrant world to escape into, but also because one of the most important themes is finding hope in the face of despair. So what I'm saying is, do an episode. You can always just skim the poems. They get more interesting the more you dive into the world, but on its first read, it's totally fine to let some of the history just wash over you. Bjorn, that is lovely. It's definitely on the list. Hope to get to it one day. I hope to be have some poems washed over me. So on you, Bjorn. And finally, we've got a duo here, Emma and Matt. Emma and Matt have written, Hey Dave, books, podcasts and cups of tea are a tranquil heaven on a day of social distancing. So thank you. Thanks. Gosh, everyone's so lovely. Appreciate that. Favorite book is Pride and Prejudice by Jane Austen. It's an annual comfort to read, like visiting an old friend. Jane is a master of early days sexual tension and taking the piss out of her characters. Joy. Pure joy. You'll find me with my Earl Grey catching up with Mr. Darcy and Lizzie. Thanks again. Thanks, Emma and Matt. Appreciate that a lot. I've got to tell you, Pride and Prejudice is on the list of books, obviously, that I want to do on the show, but I want to do it this year. I want to get to it. I've previously done Persuasion. really did enjoy it. But obviously, Pride and Prejudice is the quintessential Jane Austen. I've just got to tick it off. I've got to do it. I've never read it, and I feel a bit ashamed about that. So hopefully in the coming months, you'll see Jane Austen popping up in your feed with Pride and Prejudice. So one more time, thanks to Emma and Matt, Bjorn, Wyatt, Victoria, Adam, and Brianna supporting the show on Patreon, just six of the legends that make this show possible. Alrighty, well that does bring us to the end of the episode. I'll be back at the start of September with another episode. Who knows what it will be, what book, play, possibly poems will be washing over me. 
But until next time, I'll say thank you so much for listening. And until then, books forever. This podcast is part of the Planet Broadcasting Network. Visit planetbroadcasting.com for more podcasts from our great mates. I mean, if you want. It's up to you. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Mm.